hello and welcome to the Top Notch Podcast. I'm your host, JP. I've been in and out of the health and fitness industry for over 15 years. Through all that, I have been fit and I have been healthy and I've been either and I've been both. I've discovered a lot, I've tried a lot, and I'd like to share some of those experiences with you so that you can hopefully achieve your goals sooner, faster, and with less stress than you have done before. In today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about an optimal surplus and why, in my eyes, achieving an optimal surplus of health and fitness is what we need to do. Let's get into that. All right, Rooney. Fantastic. Other words that start things off. Today, I'm looking at an optimal surplus and what that means with regards to our health, with regards to our fitness and all that kind of stuff. Why this sort of came about is that over the past year, I have somewhat neglected working out and eating healthy and all that kind of stuff. And I have gotten away with it for the sole reason that at one point in my life, I was... too fit. <laughs> I'm going to say that. That's not strictly true. But I had a level of fitness that no normal human being needs. And I had enough kind of reserves of having eaten healthy and all that kind of stuff that I've been able to get away with neglect for, for a reasonably long period of time. So Another way to kind of look at creating an optimal surplus is that you're, you're building up like a rainy day fund. It's basically you're trying to build up your strength, build up your range of motion and your fitness levels to a point where no matter what the task is ahead of you, you can still complete it with ease. There's not, it gives you the confidence that you're not unsure if you're able to do something. You, you just, you know, there's going to be nothing that you do that's going to tax that. Now, I'm obviously not taking into account those people that do like 42 marathons back to back and all that crazy stuff. I mean, for a normal human being, the most taxing things that you'll do, whether it's climbing up all of the stairs of St. Paul's Cathedral in London or, I don't know, trying to move the heaviest piece of furniture in your house like those kinds of things so building that or how, how do we go about building up that optimal surplus well we've got to kind of look at the component parts and see what do we need and therefore how do we build it so from a I'm going to say from a strength point of view because you need a certain level of strength in order to express fitness. So you need to have enough strength that you can support your own body weight. And some people call this gymnastics. The ability to control your own body through space. So that you could do a squat where you sit on your heels and you stand back up again. And yes, I did just say sit on your heels, not just sit below parallel. Looking at full range of motion through your joints. With a you know upper body, you want to be able to do a push up. You want to be able to do a pull up. 
you want to be able to lift your legs up and touch your hands on a bar there are certain like base level strength requirements these are ones that i have discovered you may have different ways of measuring that but uh, we can argue about that over a beer that would be sweet <laughs> there are certain levels of strength that i see that are necessary and once you have those you can create a huge amount of power and tension within your body and therefore express more work and if you can express more work then you can start uh, challenging that over time if you increase the amount of work you can do in a certain time that means you're fitter if you can do the same amount of work in less time that means you're fitter and that's kind of uh, a cool measurement system that CrossFit came up with and that's kind of where I got that from um, I wouldn't have thought of it in those terms before I would have just thought it from a rowing point of view if you're on a machine if you're able to go faster for longer great if you're able to do the same distance in less time great um, they're all kind of saying the same thing Michael Phelps in case you don't know is the most decorated Olympian of all time, I believe. I think he got like eight gold medals in Beijing or something like that. Uh, anyway, most of the Olympics that he's been to, he's gotten more than one gold medal and is just a, a freak of a human being. He has a, a cool autobiography, which I read, I think it's uh, No Limits. He might have a second one. I haven't read it. I've, I've only read his first one. But in it, he described his coach and himself they looked at racing and competing as a financial thing so each training session you're putting money into a bank you're building up this large amount of money so that down the line when you come to compete or you do your race you're going to make a withdrawal you're going to be taking a huge amount of money out of the bank and spending it and so in his eyes he wanted to build that pile of money up as high as possible as big as possible so that he could make as many withdrawals from it as he needed without having to consider i'm not sure if i have enough because if you're from a competing or a sports point of view you can never rise to the occasion that's not a thing you can do if, if the money's not in the bank you don't get a withdrawal, or you don't get a, an overdraft in sport. You can only take what you have. So we've talked about strength. There are sort of base requirements you need. How you would do that is very methodically building up those movements in both load, whether it's by initially doing them assisted, so you can use your hands to help you do a squat or if you're doing some upper body stuff, you can use your legs to assist. Or you might use some bands. There are many ways to do that. Gymnasts are phenomenal at scaling those movements and adjusting them gradually. And you can use barbells as well. But I find that if you learn on a barbell first, you don't develop the same levels of proprioception, which is your, your own awareness through space. Um, very fancy term. Uh, totally unnecessary for this but anyway <laughs> it's fun to use fancy terms sometimes from a fitness point of view 
the uh, like army or you know fitness test it's like run a mile is it run a mile in like 12 minutes or maybe it's a mile and a half and which not to make anyone feel bad is a very very simple uh, test I think there should be more aggressive that we should hold ourselves to higher standards but ideally you would be able to at least run a mile you would be able to produce a certain level of work running is a good one because whether you're large like myself or small like a gymnast you can still run okay if you if you use a machine it'll bias towards me the larger individual um swimming requires a whole other parameters of like having gills and stuff like that uh um, <laughs> inflatable wings um so running is a cool test for that um range of motion is is good but that's kind of covered in the strength i say strength strength is really encompassing of mobility which is really flexibility through a range of motion or the ability to express strength through a range of motion sorry Whereas flexibility is just being able to have a range of motion, regardless of strength. Um, and from a nutrition point of view, is eat, is eating well, as in like healthy, nutritious foods that f help you to flourish the majority of the time, so that if there are periods where life gets in the way and like your friends call over and they bring some food that's not optimal and things like that, that you can get away with it. Not that you are riding that line where any deviation is going to send you off track. You want to be so far in the positive that any negative is is negligent. Like it's not going to negatively impact you. Not so far on the line that any negative tips you over or so far in the negative that any positive is also worthless. <laughs> anyway, this is a really short podcast. Um, and really, all I was trying to do is explore that idea of building an op optimal surplus. It's like your apocalypse fund, or you're, um, you're preparing for the worst. Because if you prepare for the worst, then no matter what happens, you're ready you are going out on a day trip with your family and you have like the appropriate clothes in case it starts to chuck it down and you have some food and water with you then if those things don't happen that's cool and if you are able to get food at the time that's also cool but you're not dependent on the best case scenario Oftentimes we hope for the best and we prepare for the best rather than hoping for the best but preparing for the worst. It's not a negative way of looking at things. It's actually a very positive way of looking at things. And it leaves you feeling very smug. <laughs> anyway, my goal is to uh, stop using up my optimal surplus, my rainy day fund, to start investing back into it, building things back up again so I feel good. And whenever the next apocalypse comes, which I suspect there's going to be, I don't think COVID is the last of these 
crazy scenario is going to happen. Um, but I'll be ready for it. And I won't be thinking, oh dear, <laughs> I've used up my rainy day fund. If you have been listening, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day and you're able to take something from this. And if you have been listening, great. I'll uh, chat to you soon.